Welcome, and thanks for tuning in. You must be pondering some fantasy sports questions. Well, good news, because you just turned into another episode of Keepers, Sleepers, and Creepers with John and Paul. Good win by the Reds tonight. Yeah, that's two against Houston. Yeah. Who would have guessed? All right. I like that. Looking dang good. Lorenzen getting two saves in these wins. Are you thinking that's changing the landscape? I don't think so. I think they're just using Iglesias in those high leverage situations that he said he was going to early on. But yeah, yeah, he's looked better with those save opportunities than um, Iglesias really on a whole in that small sample size. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting to me because I just look at Lorenzen and he has that general mold of what a closer looks like a lot more than Iglesias does. Like, mm-hmm. Not that Iglesias doesn't throw hard, but... Lorenzen's like uh, really got that fastball that has a little bit right. of oomph behind it. Right. Upper 90s sort of fastball. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Make some sense. It'll be interesting. Just like this episode of Keepers, Sleepers, and Creepers where we talked about Keepers, Sleepers, and Creepers fantasy-wise. Keepers being people that are legit. You want to buy into. You don't want to drop them if they're going through a cold spell. Sleepers being people that are under-owned, undervalued, and just not being appreciated. Pick them up. And then Creepers who are overvalued who are outperforming what they're capable of, and it's time to jump ship or to not get on the ship mm-hmm. out of those players. And uh, that is the name of our show. When it comes to baseball, that's what we're really all about. Um, so, And we always start with that segment, and we're going to jump right into our Keeper Sleepers Creepers episode. Um, following up King of the Scots, which was a neat episode. Here we are, starting with Keepers, as the show indicates on KSC Podcast in that order. John, Keepers. What are we talking about? Well, there's a bunch of guys coming back from injury right now. I know. It's, it's like they all like had a extended Airbnb. Yeah. <laughs> nice from vacation. Baseball. Yeah. Like, and hey, let's all return on the same week. It's super weird. Usually I don't see this many big names yeah. all, c- all back coming once. back at the same time. So, so that's I, what the show is pretty much today. Yeah. I mean, re- we did really. a segment not too long ago, which is injured, not disabled. It would have been fitting today. It would have been fitting days. today. But then, what else would we talk about? Because that's almost every change of landscape news. Yeah. I guess I'll start with one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron Judge. Uh, looks like he's coming back soon. It's not mm-hmm. quite yet, and they're not like nailing down a timetable. I think it's next moment. week. But it seemed like about a week, is what they were saying. Mm-hmm. So maybe a little more, depending on how he says he, he says goes. he's 100%. Oh, well, that's excellent. Yeah. So... Coming back from that oblique injury, um, he hasn't played much at all this year. But when he was playing, he was playing well. And I think everyone's expectations should remain unchanged in general from what the preseason looked like. Mm -hmm. The New York Yankees team is only looking more healthy. And a lot of the players on that team that most people didn't expect to play well have. Mm -hmm. So I don't see any reason why he's not a top 10 outfielder, if not top 5, going forward this season. He you totally keep. If you've hung on to him this far, you definitely keep him. If you can trade for him at this last second, you probably can't. But he is a total keeper at this point in time. Please. And I think there's a chance you could get slightly reduced value for him still. Yeah. Just because of the small sample size this year. If you give up someone that you like a little bit more. But yeah, it's going to have to be a lot yeah. in general. Yeah. But I don't can't say you'd be wrong for giving up a lot to get him. Mm-mm. I think he's a very good player. Yeah. Tons of uh, opportunity in that lineup. Mm-hmm. Add an Edwin Carnacio and DJ Mayhew. Yep. Proven that he's legitimate why Aaron Judge was on the DL. So mm-hmm. I like that. And I and I have a gut feeling. I know Aaron Judge has got injuries in his he- career and throughout so far. But I think he finishes this year healthy. 
I do too. That's my gut That's feeling. That's my gut. I mean, Oblique, after missing this much time... You think he's rested. He thinks I, it's good. I think he would have to be well-rested enough to, to be You can good. hear of recurring injuries, but I just think yeah. he's good. I think they've handled it well. I agree. And even some of the interest, interesting stuff like Gregorius being back also would help that lineup. I, mm-hmm. I don't know how much Gregorius is going to be the player that people might hope he will be. I like him, I think, but... I think it, at, in, as a whole, it's just going to help the lineup more so than anything else. Sure. And then Judge will benefit from that. Sure. Sure. Well, that's one for one where we're agreeing with each other tonight about our keepers, sleepers, and creepers. Nice. Which is always good when we do that because we have been right more often than not on this season. And it's not even a shame to brag about that because we're winning and the people that are listening, we're, we know we're giving them good stuff every week. Um, yeah, speaking of little comebacks, I was talk- I was a little bitter a couple weeks ago about my fantasy team dropping from third place to eighth in one week, and it's like how in the world your auto draft team yeah for the the road roto season long auto draft team, and uh, now it's back up to second. All's right with the world, and I'm climbing. We'll see how it all works out. But one of the guys I'd love to have on that team that I don't is George Springer. I think I think he's also going to be a keeper yep. right now. He's owned in 99% of leagues. So. Another dude coming back next week. Yes. Him and Aaron Judge coming back together from Punta Cana. Oh, the outfield synergy going on all returning. And uh, yep. then we've got another guy we'll probably talk about here soon. At least I know I will. And... Uh, but Springer is a guy that I just couldn't feel better about from his advanced stat profile the entire season. I mean, there's not a stat I could bring up that looked bad with mm-hmm. him. It's almost all in the top five. This Houston Astros lineup is only going to get better without Tuve returning. Correa is not super far off. And then it's it's good enough as is right now. Like It's a, it's a major league caliber lineup even without all these all-stars in it. Right. Um, Springer's not a guy I had a lot of faith in coming into the season to be able to play like this. But... With the advanced stat profile looking as good as it does from his hard hit percentage, exit velocity, everything, I just think there's no way I can quit believing right. or just ignore what he's done and say there's no way he's going to continue to do it. He was always a highly rated prospect. He has a ton of potential. The, the sky's the limit. And I think he's putting it together this season more than what I ever would have expected. Yeah. And his you rehab, definitely think if he was going to have a great season, it would have been the past couple of years, not this year for some reason. But yeah. Especially Here he is. Because he's never really like crushed 40 home run area. He's never been like a 300-plus batter very yeah. consistently at all, if, if at all. So, I don't know. And a hamstring injury, you don't love to see that, but it's also not... You don't love to see that on a speedster, but George Springer just gives you the additional steal here and there. It doesn't. It's not going to affect his you know, run scored or his home runs or his RBIs or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It'll be less likely to be at re-aggravated than what probably even an oblique would be for Judge right, right. in general. So, yeah, I think his hitting will be fine. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. you got to keep him. There's no reason to sell or be worried no. that it's going to be a recurring thing at this point. If I you mean, could, flukes can happen, but... Yeah. If you can get him in a trade, I'm officially a believer at this point, but he's going to be hard to pry from anybody as well. But I'm just saying... Look forward to having him back in your lineup. Yeah. Enjoy the fruits of the labor. Both of those dudes. Enjoy it. And if you can get them for cheaper somehow, go do it. Yeah. But, but at this point, you waited too long, and now they're coming back. Right. If you would have ideally listened to like the general outline when we talked about Judge last, where it was we weren't getting updates on his actual timeline quite yet, but it seemed like it was just a long, and, a long period of time with no updates. So mm-hmm. if you could trade for him right then, that's the ideal time going forward with some of these players. So if you can get them before the updates come out or when you would expect the original updates to go but people forgot how long it would be, that's when you want to make those trades because that's when their value will be lowest. They'll be kind of forgotten. Right. Cool. 
What else were you thinking in keeper land? Um, I got one more guy, um, Shohei Otani. Um, Same. We, well, met... look at us, three for three. Wow. So we <laughs> never talk about stuff beforehand together, but we try to go off the same list-esque of people so yeah. to make things interesting, to have some back and forth. And to go three for three, we haven't done that in a while. No. We almost always have at least some sort of different, yeah. different opinion. But we talked about him a few weeks ago when he was just coming back off the injury list himself. As a keeper. As a keeper, yes. We, we both believed him at that time. And he, it was a little bit of a slow start, but nothing super alarming to me. But he's owning 68% of leagues. Season long, he's 283 right now, nine home runs, 30 RBI already, which is mm-hmm. mind-blowing for missing that much of a season. Except when Trout's batting right in front of you. Makes sense. <laughs> it does make sense <laughs> for him to be successful, but I'm still surprised yeah. with, with 30 RBIs. I don't know. That's, I mean, he has to capitalize. He has to do his part, even though Trout's in front of him. Yeah. If he hits, the, the, the RBIs will come, and especially because this lineup is looking better and better for the Angels. That's the thing. That's why I think I'm glad we're talking about him again while he was on our list, and that's there's no better situation, I think, in the MLB when you say, I'm batting after Trout, and I'm batting before Justin Upton now. Yeah. And then you got people like Tommy LaStella in the lineup that are going to mm-hmm. be on base. So they even have a couple of other people that will be there around him. But yeah, if you're talking lineup protection, right. whew, that's pretty good. That's about as good as it gets right. for a guy like him, a young hitter. And I don't know, like his last 11 games, he's had four home runs. His he advanced had, stats are insane. Absolutely nuts. 93 exit velocity yeah. just stuck out to me like nobody's business. I think that's like two, top 2% of yeah. the league. So he is murdering the ball. Plus the 333 batting average and 14 RBI this month is outstanding as well. I mean, I don't see what's not to like with him going forward. I guess the only thing would be position eligibility is a little bit of a weakness. Yeah, that's fine. But if he's going to produce, then you make a utility spot for him. He is going to hit better than almost any person that you're going to have in that utility right. slot going forward anyway. Yeah. Only a couple handful of first basemen are probably going to be as consistent that will be needing to be played in that lineup spot. Right. Debatably as Debatably, much. yeah. So that's good. I love to see Justin Upton back for him. Yeah. And for he, Shohei. And he's actually ownable. Like, not in all leagues, not even in most leagues, but 32% is a notable it, portion still needing to yeah. be picked up. And it shouldn't be that way. It should be at least 85% right. owned. Like, it's a, it's people being lazy and on the cusp. Kind of cusp, thing, yeah. yeah. Him being off in the IL, maybe people forgot about him for a while, but he is absolutely needing to be owned in all leagues. Right. Well... We went three for three. That's our keepers right there. That's pretty impressive. You yeah. don't have any more keepers, right? No, I don't. Because I thought you said that was our last one. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's my keepers for the show today. Aaron Judge, Springer, and Otani. Um, okay. Let's do it. Uh, who are we sleeping Synergy. on? Synergy. Um, the first one I got is a guy I mentioned a few weeks ago, but it's more of an update as much as it is a reaffirmation of what I felt like. And that's Trevor Williams, um, starting pitcher from Pittsburgh. He's owned in 39% of leagues still, even after the injury stint list. I my, was talking about a couple weeks ago about feeling free to cut him because he's not a guy that I'm willing to wait on him to be healthy. I felt like he might be ownable anyway on his way back. But on the season, he has a 3.33 ERA, which is very good for a free agent pitcher that you can get. 1.13 whip doesn't indicate it's a huge lie there from his consistency standpoint over last year to this year. He's about right on target, and his K rate's a little lower than an inning per pitch, so he's not going to be a complete filler, and also Pittsburgh's lineup isn't outstanding from a win setup perspective from him, but I think he's definitely a guy that needs to be owned in more leagues. I think he's going to give you great ERA and whip, and I think since last year, his ERA and whip have been in the top 10 for major league starters, unless it was 
changed dramatically. But at the end of last year, he's one of the he was the in the second half, I should say, he was one of the top five pitchers in the league from an ERA standpoint. Hmm. So don't sleep on him. I think he's a guy that could be very good. His career ERA is a 3.72, and it's been improving every year that he's been in the majors. So I think, and that's like, I think the last three years or so, I'd have to double check to be completely sure. But in the last three or four years, that's what he's been getting it down from. So I think for him to float closer to this 3-3 to 3-5 area is very safe to assume. I think that's just a guy that needs to be owned in more leagues. You wouldn't believe it, John. But underneath my sleepers, I, too, do not have Trevor Williams. Because I don't use starting pitchers. You refused to put <laughs> this gem of a starting pitcher? Oh, he could be a sleeper. He very well could be. But for, this is an ongoing thing for people just tuning in. Mm-hmm. I take advantage of default scoring in head-to-head categories by not rostering starting pitchers. I've been doing it for years, and I keep winning for years. And uh, I just play with relief pitchers. That's just yep. the way it is. I sacrifice wins. I sacrifice strikeouts. But in a default league, that sets me up for ERA, whip, and saves. And it also allows me to just run up on the, the hitting categories, which I do. Um, so that is my strategy. Keeps me in the top three. Mm-hmm. And uh, got me my win last year. I don't know about the year before, but I think I did pretty okay. Um, yeah, definitely a, a very valid strategy for head-to-head. Yeah. For Roto, it's a little more painful for Roto, to do that. For Roto, you can't. I was doing it this year because I said I was going to experiment. And mm-hmm. I did win those categories handily, but then I was like... But it's also kind of easy, but it's also just a little public league. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say, like, in comparison to certain competitive leagues, how it would shake out. But it... It's just hard to completely sack certain categories. You can't, really, in Roto. So uh, you, you need at least a few points in it. And so if you're competing against other people that are trying that same strategy, you might be able to get like three or four extra points up, and that might be enough if you yeah. dominate with the 12th and the, the other ones, but it's a little harder. Yeah. But in head-to-head, absolutely, I agree. It's a, it's a solid strategy, yeah. 100%. Yeah, it keeps me there. I'm telling you, last week was an 8-2 and two victor- eight and two victory, which I lost K's. And believe it or not, I lost saves. I actually won wins. What? It was weird. That is weird. And it was only relief pitchers. Huh. Just the way it, the cookie crumbled last week. Interesting. So realistically, I could have went 9-1. Yeah. But if I'm winning wins, that means my closers blew some saves and they got me the win. So that's why I didn't win the saves. But yeah. nonetheless, I still managed to pull out the RA and whip. So uh, I guess since we're on this kind of topic, I will throw in one little funny thing. If, you were, if you've been listening for a long time to us, uh, thank you, A. <laughs> but B, I mentioned that we were, um, my, my auto-draft team had one of the worst starting pitcher rotations I've ever seen, and I had no closers at all on my entire roster. It was all starting pitchers, and the only relief pitcher they drafted for me in the mandatory relief pitcher slot was a relief pitcher slash starting pitcher that was a starting pitcher. <laughs> so I could not win saves, and it was sacking that category for me. Um, and then with my starters pitching as badly as they did, I had a lot of burnout people like you, Darvish, not pitching well at the beginning of the season, Rick Porcello, who got off to a horrible start, DeGrom didn't pitch as well as you'd hope, yada, yada, yada. But my strategy was, um, was adopting pretty much what you were talking about, and you can get so many valuable pitchers that may not get you saved, but they're always going to give you quality yeah. relief appearances that mm-hmm. have low ownership rates because they're not closers. John Gant, Ryan Presley, Ty Buttery. It, all prime examples. Two of the three are on my team with Presley mm-hmm. and Buttery, and they've been excellent for yeah. me to be able to lower my WHIP and ERA, and that's why I'm lighting it up the the scoreboards again. Right. I'm getting rid of those borderline starting pitchers that might give you a bombshell 
every couple of weeks where it hurts more in the Roto League than it mm-hmm. does in the head-to-heads if they don't give you a, a great reversal game soon. Mm-hmm. Those sorts of players are, are very undervalued in general, and they should be owned in more leagues than they are. And especially if you're trying to help your ERA. If it's a competitive with, league, they need to be owned. They absolutely right. need to be owned. Especially if you're a person that has really top-heavy weighted starting pitcher drafts. Like if you're one of the people going after Scherzer and then you're trying to get Verlander in the second half of that first round, mm-hmm. those guys are amazing because they're never going to hurt you mm-hmm. in those leagues the way that some of the other extra starting pitchers that you might have in your lineup. And the way they're be. used, they get you those wins too. They would. Not mm-hmm. so much Ryan Presley because he's a true kind of setup man this year for the Astros, but John Gann especially, uh, he's been getting some wins more frequently than not. So, Yeah. I think those guys are criminally underutilized yeah. in a lot of leagues. And I, I, that was me for a long time. And so I, I saw that they wouldn't win the one category they were designed to win in mm-hmm. particular, which is relief pitchers. To, they were usually the ones that get saves in mm-hmm. all circumstances. So, yeah. But there is value to those people that just pitch well consistently, even if they're not getting saves. Truth. Well, back to sleepers. I have four hitters, so I wonder if you're going to have anybody that matches up with me. But uh, I imagine probably at least one. Two of these guys have, have frequented uh, our list, and we kind of keep talking about them. And I'm going to go ahead and give Kevin Biggio another shout out. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. far in the bigs, he's hit 13. Well, he scored 13 runs, five homers, ten RBIs, two stolen base, and batted 233. And uh, I'm liking what I'm seeing at 24% ownage rate um, for second base. I think he's going to give you solid production out of. What I think, besides catcher, is probably the weakest fantasy position this year. Maybe shortstop, um, as the seasons went along. I was I was optimistic before the season, but it's just proven that the middle infield still is kind of pretty decently weak. Um, I think Kevin Biggio, he's got enough pop, plus he's playing in Toronto, which helps out. And uh, in the minors, he was, he was a good double threat with home runs, stolen bases. And uh, what I like about him is he, he's maintaining his plate discipline. I mean, he's striking out a bit too much at 28.4. Uh, percent right now, but I think that's going to climb down. Uh, you got to love his walk rate at eighteen point nine percent. That's great, and uh, his advanced stats look good. So I, I like Kevin Biggio, and I like him in that lineup, and I like him in Toronto. I also agree, I especially if he keeps hitting cleanup. He was hitting, he's batting cleanup today, which is interesting. Yeah, that was one thing I looked up, and seeing the four is great. Mm-hmm. Seeing the two a little bit earlier on in the week was great. Mm-hmm. But he's hitting all over the lineup recently. Right, that's but, the thing. Where is he really going to hit? Will he even make it sound better? Yes, but it's better than seeing the seventh in a lineup that you're that it's a yeah. good lineup, and he's just hitting too deep to right. really make an impact. And especially with the power surge that he's had recently, he's had three multi-hit games and two home run or two multi-home run games in his last five. So talk about that's hot. Impressive. Yeah, uh, you like to see that. And then his walk rate, same thing. I would completely agree. 18% is what you like to see from a disciplined guy. Down a little bit. I agree. And I think that's some of the swing and miss rates attributing to his low expected batting average of 222. Mm-hmm. So you don't really like to see the expected batting average being lower than his actual batting average. But it is a smaller sample size. So I think it would equalize a little bit more and go up, especially while he's hitting as well as he is right now. I think he's for sure worth owning. Mm-hmm. 25% is not enough for a guy that has the pedigree from a prospect level to be viewed this way. And like you said, second base isn't great. Mm-hmm. Like, if you wanted me right now to choose between Biggio and Cano, I'm probably going to go Biggio right now yeah. as a borderline roster spot. Or like Cesar Hernandez, who's on like 
the upside's there for Biggio. Yes. I think there, it's definitely competitive. I think the only thing is that you're going to sack some batting average for power, but he chips in enough stolen bases, I think, to make him worth it. Mm-hmm. And especially if he starts hitting in the middle of this Toronto order, I think he's definitely worth stashing for a while. And the reason he's batting four right out. now is smoke on the injured list. So Ooh, That's true, too. And, and So I think he sticks there for right now, but when smoke comes off the injured list, he's traded. So, yeah, he'll be gone. Yeah. And, and that, that means if their game plan is to bat him fourth without smoke, then that's pretty solid. Yeah. I mean, especially because this young lineup is going to be inconsistent. But right. there's some people in there. I mean, I'm going to get real interesting when they've got Lords up. They have uh, Vlad, Kevin Biggio, and then we're going to see Bo Bichette. And what a cool young team that is going to yeah. be in Toronto. It'll be really interesting to see how they shape out. They right. might be decent. Yeah. So, there you go. Um, next guy, another guy that keeps frequent on lists, being a rookie, Oscar Mercado. Agreed again, yeah. So sleeper for you as well. He is and a sleeper. They're sleeper. You got to in in Mercado is a little bit safer than Biggio because at twenty eight percent he's still available. And what I like about him is he doesn't have the advanced stats that Biggio has of making great hard contact with exit velocity. Biggio definitely has that. Plus, I think his launch angle when I checked was like nineteen percent, which is. Uh, 19 degrees, which is great. Mm-hmm. Mercado doesn't have that. But what he does have that keeps his batting average up is extreme sprint speed and great discipline. So already in the majors, he's batted uh, with 19.6 K rate and a 4.5 walk rate. Walk rates, I will take that low when you're not striking out that much. If you're making good contact. And he is. So he's got 22 runs already. Four home runs, which you're not taking him to count on the home runs, but it's nice to get that. 13 RBIs um, and 9 or 4 stolen base, uh, batting 304. So that's pretty solid. I completely agree. Yeah. His, his ceiling is much less than BGO. However, right. the lineup he's hitting in, where he's hitting in it, always yeah. second, is great to see. His 304 batting average doesn't seem like a big mirage or anything. No giant warning signs to indicate that he's not going to be able to hit for that batting average at the top of this lineup. So he's going to be great for runs scored, batting average, occasional home runs, and some stolen bases because he is definitely fast. That's, mm-hmm. that's legit. So uh, 29%, that's just too low, especially when he's playing as well as he is right yeah. now. I think he's worth riding while he's hot. If he goes on a cold streak, I'd probably cut him. But while he's playing like this, why not? I mean, especially when, when Lindor is killing the ball yeah. right in front of him. So yeah. you, you can't beat that. I think he's definitely worth owning. Yeah, for sure. Especially if he needs stolen bases because he's going to give you that. Mm-hmm. And hit close to 300. So Agree. I like him. He's another sleeper. Who you got sleeping? I'm, I'm kind of dominating over here with sleeper. <laughs> no, you do you. You're doing great. Uh, I have a guy on here that I didn't expect to have, and I think it's more of a shout-out to what he's been doing and is doing right now than anything else. Ian Desmond. For now, I'm a big fan. Okay. Uh, he's owned 58% of leagues right now. He's hitting 357 in his last 30 games with four home runs, 17 RBI, and a stolen base. You love to see Colorado because some magic happens with some people that go up there. He started the year very, very cold. But on the year, he's up to 274 when he was sitting Mm -hmm. around 200 for the majority of the year. But what you're not going to get is home runs from him, I think, consistently at the level that you'd expect from a guy that used to hit them, plus Colorado, plus all of his hard-hit numbers and exit velocity stuff looks pretty good. But that 7.8 launch angle isn't what you're really looking for there. And it was worse when the season started. So he's making progress into averaging out that to being better. But 
I'm not convinced that the power numbers are going to be there enough to support a 25-plus home run season. And his stolen base numbers are not going to be there either. But while he's hitting the ball this hard, I think he needs to be owned in more leagues. But I think once he cools off again, I would be willing to cut him as well. See, and we agree. And, that, and I'm even going to affirm what you said because I agree and I believe even more so because Ian Desmond, I think, was a sleeper way early on when he was real cold. Mm-hmm. And that's just because I said, hey, look, this is, there's bad luck going on around Ian Desmond. His advanced stats are actually better this year than they have been in like the past six years. Like he's killing the ball. Launch angle, meh, I don't really care. That kind of, I think that factored in the lower number because, and that was leading to some of those outs. Yeah. But I think in Coors Field, his career high for the MLB is 25 homers, mm-hmm. and I think he surpasses that this year. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I like it. Um, his advanced stats look insane. His K rate's a yeah. little bit higher, but again, it was a horrible start for him. Yeah. And he, he's still going to give you the occasional stolen base. His sprint speed's still pretty decent. So... For first base eligibility, and where I think first base is a little bit more shallow, at 58%, playing in course field with that lineup that's putting up tons of runs, yeah, and we'll put, we'll right put up tons of runs. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Desmond. I think he's worth a flyer. Uh, 58% is kind of where I think he should be on right now, but I, I look at his stats, and I like it. I think he's going to put up a career year in home runs. Wow. I'm not really, I'm not quite willing to say career year in home runs, but I think he's a positive producer right now, especially. And probably by the end of the year, you're, he's going to put up numbers that would indicate he should be on someone's team mm-hmm. for at least the majority of the year. So we'll see. I was so negative against him when his advanced stat profile was indicating all he was was hitting the ball on the ground and his batting average was <laughs> nothing. But yeah. he's improved dramatically. So he's on a tear for the last month, and that means that I'm beginning to believe this might be long enough of a hot streak that he might he should be probably be owned until he cools off. Him game. and Murphy are showing yeah. showing life. And I mean Charlie Blackman's up to like which the we got right. rated player this year too, yeah. which is crazy too. Yeah. We were both weren't like super in love with him, but I'm story's been good. The whole lineup is shaking out to be quite nice. Colorado's a healthy place to live because you're never too old. Never too old. <laughs> Just ask Todd Helton yep. after like yep. his thirty eighth year whatever. Just go there you'll hit forever. forever. Yeah, it's true. Except Troy, Troy Tulowitzki. It did not treat him well. Yeah. He needed, like, he needed some play sort like of spa. A padded room. <laughs> a padded room. <laughs> Bubble suit when yeah. he's out there. Yeah, Metal rods at every joint in his body. <laughs> he can't. Man, he could not. He just can't stay healthy. You would think it was rugby that he was playing yes. out there. His injury rate was Poor like guy. he was playing padless rugby. Yeah. And then the Which people I, he was playing against... We're wearing football uniforms. Which isn't rugby, just, isn't rugby padless? Yeah, it's like minimal pad. Okay. I don't know. They definitely don't wear, like, legit protection. Right. <laughs> Man's game right there. Which I feel bad for him, but the guy I really feel bad for is Mitch Hanniger with the oh ruptured testy. <laughs> He's not on my sleep for this, I'm saying. I groaned out loud in, in discomfort just reading it. Mm. I can't even imagine... I feel for him. Foul ball off the nads. Woo. It was quite bad. Ruptured testicle. We still buddy. Oh. Get well soon. Get well. <laughs> and then, like, I was reading, like, updates on him. And they're like, it's, we're not certain if he's going to be back in the next couple of weeks. So I'd be like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be back in the next couple of months. No. Because I just ruptured a testicle. <laughs> and, like, how Poor do you fix guy. it? Because if you know the anatomy of a testicle, if it's ruptured, like... 
You can't cast that. No. Nope. I don't even want to think about it. That's a, that's a dark, dangerous road. Yeah. I think you may be left with one testicle. Poor guy. Oof. Yikes. I hope he has the strongest second half in the league because he earned that yeah. after the luck he's had this season. Because he started so good, batting average plummeted heavily, and now this. And yeah. So I feel for him. He's like a two, he was, what, he hit like 284 or something last season? Something in the mid 280s. Yeah. I, he's a guy I like a lot, but for now. We'll keep an eye on him. Yeah. And we'll hope for a speedy recovery. I know someone cut him in one of my leagues, and I definitely stashed him on the IL because I think he's one of the guys. If you have a free slot in the IL, it's worth yeah, it's definitely giving him worth. a shot. He's a good hitter all the way around. I think he'll he's one of those guys that just won't hurt you at anything. Yeah. Very similar to a couple of guys we were talking about, like uh, Conforto and stuff from the Mets, where they they give you some power, some are some good solid RBIs and solid batting average. Mm-hmm. So can't have enough of those guys on your team. Well, here's the guy, though, that I like more than anybody on my sleeper list, and it's A.J. Pollock. A.J. Pollock? 100%. And I was a, he's a creeper to start the season because he's going to get hurt. I'm telling everybody, and I'm saying stay away from him. Yeah. But in the past three, four years, when he's playing, he's a top 25 dude. He's been that. He's been incredible. Mm-hmm. And then this season, his ownage rate right now is at 42% because his latest trip to the I.L., and it's probably because before that, he only had 15 runs scored, two homers, 14 RBIs, no stolen bases, and batting 223. You're like, I guess he's not a five-category dude anymore, and he's not irrelevant, because maybe he's just left his peak behind, and, and that's it. Look at this dude, though. For the people that drafted him, which I said, don't do that. So I still say, you shouldn't have drafted him this year. <laughs> just <But> to be clear. <laughs> if you drafted him, and he had dropped him when he got hurt, I don't know what you're expecting, and you didn't do your homework when you dropped him, too, because his advanced stats look just like Ian Desmond. Like, they were better than his Diamondback years. Like, just horrible luck. His BABIP and his expecting batting average are saying, this guy, he needs to be hitting better than that. Exit velocity, everything was up higher. And when this guy's healthy, he's a five-category dude, and his sprint speed was supporting stolen bases. So when he comes back... I expect a tear, and what you like about him so far this year isn't any of these reoccurring injuries, and like just super bad luck, super bad luck hitting, and also super bad luck that his hardware got infected in his elbow, mm. and that's where he's been. And the catheter's out; he's swinging off of a tee, about to start a rehab assignment. Uh, it's going to be like up then forty to fifty swings and uh, 30, 40 to fifty at bats, and here he is; he's going to be back with the Dodgers in that lineup. Which and is solid. Yes, yes. And when Pollock plays, he's a top 25 dude. And mm-hmm. the advanced stats say he's got everything left in the tank to be a top 25 dude. And he's owned in 42% of leagues right now. So slot him in the IL spot because he's going to be completely worth it. I think there's a chance he'll be worth it. I'm not as on board as you are. I'm certain. Unless he gets hurt again. Yeah. Absolutely, I'm certain he's going to put up this, his numbers that he does. There's I no know. reason not to. I, I, I can't say I'm 100% on board, but all of your logic is right about his surrounding circumstances. He's been unlucky. His stats do indicate that. He's hitting the ball pretty hard when he's playing. Dodgers lineup is incredible. And when he's in, historically, he's been very good. But with his age, I'm a little more leery. But 42%. I think I'm looking to pick him up as soon as he's healthy. I don't know if, I, if I'm willing to do a little 
roster jiggling around unless it suits me at the moment. If you can maybe afford to do that, I guess it'd be fine, but I don't know. That's just the way I win leagues, so I always play that way. Upton gets dropped. Pick up Upton. I keep him on my DL. Upton gets off the DL list, so a DL spot's going to open up. So when I make room for Upton to come off the bench, I make the transaction to add drop somebody, bring in Pollock, and then Pollock goes to the DL. Upton comes on my bench, and that's that's the way I win, is managing your DL spot well. So now, so now Pollock comes back off. And age, like I said, before the season, I was scared of his age. But if he's hitting the ball harder than ever, more consistently than ever, and he's running as fast as ever, then I don't care about your age because you're doing it all. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, I agree with you completely on the fact that he is very good when he's healthy, and drafting him was risky because of his injury history. You shouldn't have done that. So That's where he messed up. Yes. But and you he, shouldn't have dropped him. Maybe. <laughs> I probably would have dropped him, personally. But. If you wasted a draft pick on them, you got to stick to your guns. Or you lose your season. Yeah. It just it's it because it, it, it doesn't just mean that one transaction with AJ Pollock. It's every transaction on your team that you probably jump ship on. There is some of that. There's some truth there. I, I'd say lightly agree with you. That's cool. What do you got? Any other sleepers? Any other sleepers? No, I think that's it. I think Trevor Williams, Oscar Mercado, Biggio, and Desmond. Oh, will we continue with a lot of agreement? Yeah. Doing pretty good today. We're on the same page. Feels good. Yeah, yeah. All right, then. Now we get to our scary segment. Yeah. We talk about the, ugh, and, and mine has <laughs> a lot to do with people coming off the DL. Coming off the DL, really? <laughs> well, the number one guy I'm going to talk about that's, I guess, kind of was involved in the DL stint, but isn't anymore, Chris Archer. Pittsburgh starting pitcher. Uh, I had some faith in him coming into the season that there was a chance with him being him, him being in Pittsburgh. If I could talk, mm-hmm. it would help him because typically Pittsburgh has pretty good pitching, and that ballpark enables a little bit better pitching. Yeah. And when he was with the Ra- or the Tampa Bay Rays for a while, he was outstanding. But this year has not been, and this is his fourth straight year of a four plus ERA. His WHIP is one point five two, which is terrible for a guy of his caliber to be having it doesn't indicate at all that he's just well people are just having to be hitting him or stringing hits together but he, overall he's been good and he's just putting a lot of people on 5.85 era on the year i think it's just been too much of a sample size for me to hope for a rejuvenation year i was hoping that after the trade him having that four era to pittsburgh at the end of last season was just a blip before he got it together with a full off season with a new team i don't think that's the mm-hmm. case i think he's him being owned in 59 percent of leagues is just far too much he has not indicated that he, he has been playing at that level now or will be in the future. So I think it's pretty safe to cut him and be streaming pitchers instead. I think that and as a Reds fan, I don't like him. I mean, there's also that. A <laughs> little cocky, a lot of pine tar. And there's a lot of things going for him that are <laughs> super And not very encouraging. good. Yeah, and bad. It feels real bad when you have pine tar like literally all over your body that you're using to throw, and then you're still sitting here with a 5.85 ERA. Yeah. What are you doing? I agree with you. I'll agree with you on a starting pitcher because I just don't want him. <laughs> I think in particular this starting pitcher is highly <laughs> not worth it. Right now I would cut him for Trevor Williams without a moment's hesitation. Well, here's a dude also off the DL list that was on the DL list and is playing, and that's Justin Upton. Yeah, He's a creeper to me because his ownage rate never dropped. Like, 
Never. He was on the DL longer than AJ Pollock. Yes. But AJ Pollock, when it comes to fantasy, has always been more valuable than Justin Upton. Similar ages. And um, here's Justin Upton back from turf toe. Owned close to 80, maybe higher than that. I didn't even really check. I just know it's somewhere near there. I have him because I picked him up. Yeah, 83%. And he's just a home run hitter. And it's not like he's going to break out this year and have the best year ever. He'll give you the occasional stolen base. Mm -hmm. We did mention the lineup, Otani and Trout above him. But I just expect a little bit less than what he did in the years before. So with 83%, he's already hit a home run off the DL. I'm looking to package this dude. Outfielders are... Outfield's always deep. It's deep again this year. At least it is for me. When, um, I mean, that's all we've been talking about yeah. is the value of outfielders looks really stable from people like all the way from the high end with yeah. Judge coming back all the way down to Oscar Mercado. That's not right. owned in a lot of leagues. That'll give you a lot of value. Right. So I'm, that's what I'm saying. I don't think Justin Upton's bad. Like I'm pretty stoked yeah. that I got him for free because I picked him up when it was right. Mm-hmm. But he's not bad. It's just that his name and his perceived value is way higher than what he actually is. For that reason, I'm looking to trade him because what a good trade chip. I believe your last statement is exactly what I had written down here, is that his perceived value is higher than what his actual value should be. So that makes him a great trade candidate. And I have him also as a creeper, not because he's not valuable and shouldn't be owned, and he's not a guy I want anyone to cut right now, but if you could trade him right now, because like you said, he just hit a home run, so it indicates that he's not super rusty coming off of this. Right, and had some on his rehab assignment too. His power is going to be there. Yes, yes. That's what you're getting with Justin Upton, period. But you could argue that he has a similar profile to somebody like C.J. Cron, who mm-hmm. a lot of people aren't that thrilled about. Right. Except his name is Justin Upton, mm-hmm. and that's why people are going to look at him and say, let's do this thing. Because mm-hmm. they invested higher draft picks in him and his ownage percentage hasn't changed. People probably had him in the IL slot the whole year yeah. up until this point. So I think right now is a great time to package him if you can. For sure. Um, and if you have him and you get stuck with him, I don't think you're going to be miserable. But I think now is a good time to get more for him than what Definitely. he's worth. I completely agree. Cool beans. Who else are we scared of? I'm terrified if I'm a Starling Marte owner right now. Okay. Owned in 97% of leagues. On the season, he's hitting 287, 10 home runs, 34 RBI, and 11 stolen bases. And you're probably asking me, why are you terrified? Because none of those stats are, stats are scary. And to which I would say, you're right, for now. He's ranked right now at the 66th rated overall player in fantasy, which isn't miserable by any means. But he was rated preseason at around 27. So he's already not producing at the rate that you would expect him to do to replace his draft value. He's 30 years old, like we talked about in our preseason podcast stuff that his age would indicate stolen base regression is probably going to happen and I think he's on pace for slight stolen base regression but what I'm really worried about is his power numbers I I don't know if he can continue at this pace that he's shown so far this year based on the fact that his exit velocity is in the bottom 13th percentile you hate to see that from a guy like that plus Bell in the second half it would be amazing to me if that lineup cushion for him plays this well all the way down the stretch. But it's also going to be amazing to me if Starling Marte's on this team in the second half. That's a fair point. But he, yeah, I think he may. It, it would it would improve his value if he went somewhere else other than Pittsburgh in that capacity. But man, I just can't see him getting close to twenty home runs, thirty three stolen bases like he had last year. Maybe not twenty season. home runs, but the thing see, so got to be a little bit like. His exit velocity is going to look a little bit lower on average just because of the amount of contact he makes. 
And and it would be more like before the season, we both predicted stolen base regression. We both said creep on him a little bit. Don't draft him that high. Mm-hmm. But his sprint speed's still hanging up there. Yeah, his sprint speed still looks so. Good. I think he's still going to get just stolen bases. And no matter what team he's playing for in the second half, he still will be towards the top of the lineup. So even if Bell isn't hitting like he's going to, which he won't, um, he'll still give you a good amount of runs. So I feel what you're saying. I'm not I'm not as creepy on him as I am most people. I do understand. Like I wish his exit velocity was higher than that, but at that point in time, he would be like a trout or bets almost. You know. And you are right on that. So, but I don't know. I know. I feel you. I I just. It, it, and generally, maybe it's just more so my formula. If I see a 27th overall rated person in the yeah. league as their preseason thing, and they're playing at 66th, which, I mean, he has he was injured for a bit too. So that puts in, into perspective how well he's played up until this point. Mm-hmm. From my perspective, this is about as good as you were going to get from yeah. him. But then the fact that his advanced stats don't all indicate that he's going to continue to play at this good level. If he was closer to average with exit velocity, then I'd be like, yeah, okay. And then like high contact, that does translate. That makes sense. Man, 13th percentile is quite it's low. low. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I, I don't know. He, I, he scares me. And he's a person that I would trade yeah. away if I could. I think there's much safer people based on his actual value yeah. in the league. I guess I just can't ever think about him because people like Lorenzo Kane still exist. <laughs> That's so, like, a good point. Uh, I de- we both hated Lorenzo Kane from yeah. his draft stock way more than Starling Marte right. last season. Right. Like I'd rather take him at twenty-seven than ever dream of taking Kane at that, 50. Like, sixty or whatever that is. Yeah. So I don't. That's what I'm saying. But I agree with you. I'm not trying to stick up for him too hard. But I'm not saying like, oh crap, I have Starling Marte. Because then if you get rid of him and you don't do the trade right, you can really hurt the dynamics of your team because he is still one of the best stolen base threats there is in the MLB. We're still in braces pretty low, and he's going to hit for average way better than them and give you runs. And then if you make a bad trade with him, then all of a sudden where you were winning runs, stolen base, and average pretty well, all of a sudden you've lost those categories. So you've got to be careful trading a dude like that. But That's a good solid veteran warning there. Because yeah. like you said, stolen bases are thin this year. I just think that maybe I'm covering it. If you have Malik because... Smith on your team now, you don't need him and Marte. Yes. And I mean, for a lot of these people up in the very top of the draft, if you got a lot of those position players, not the starting pitchers, mm-hmm. but like the Trey Turners that are there, the stories, the Jose Ramirez is, although not great so far this year, he still brings some bases and should bring more. Trout's like... Well, Marte, the... you could probably trade for Jose Ramirez, pick up Jose Ramirez, and that's a good trade. I think that'd be excellent. Yeah. Heck, I would swap him for the other Marte in a heartbeat. And someone might be willing to do that. Yeah. He is exaggerated, though, right now. Oh, he's way overachieving. Yeah. And so I think a wise baseball person would probably make that trade. But I still think I believe in Arizona Marte more than I believe in Pittsburgh Marte. It'd be close. It'd be what my team kind of needed. But for sure. I feel you. I don't like him. Well, let me get to an outfielder who I'm creeping on more than Marte for sure. And that's Giancarlo Stanton. Oh, okay, okay, okay. It he, I mean, we had two years there where we didn't have much injuries going on for Stanton. And uh, I think we forget he is an injury-prone dude. And I feel like this year, whereas Aaron Judge, I feel like, is going to finish the year healthy. This year, Stanton, who came back from the lineup today, um, I feel like this is going to be an IL field year. When you look at what he's returning from already is a calf injury, a shoulder injury, uh, and a bicep injury. 
for a power hitter. And he had a great rehab stint, so everybody's like, yes, he's back, power numbers, <laughs> trading him right now. Because I think an IL trip is just right around the river bend. So for that reason, he scares me. And I'm, Could be. I'm done with that. I don't need an injury-prone dude that's been injury-prone with three different parts of his body already. Yeah, I mean, he is. He has been kind of one-dimensional and a little inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Like, does he bring world-class power? Yes, when healthy. Mm-hmm. Yes, but also he hasn't been able to really uh, consistently produce in enough categories to make him worth it. If the injury sapped that power, yeah. so that's kind of a little scary. So that's that's my feeling on him. And then the other guy. So we had Springer with the Astros and Judge with the Yankees on our keeper list. And now we split it with another Yankee and another Astro on the creeper list. Stanton, the Yankee. Altuve, the Astro, which I'm just reiterating. He's been on there before, earlier. Activated um, tomorrow from the list. And last year, if you remember the knee injury that resulted in surgery, which resulted in a hamstring injury this year. And you're pretty much drafting him for steals. That's like his category. Uh, And you expect batting average, but the average keeps declining. His home run numbers are always exaggerated. I, I mean, they've been exaggerated for years. And like, yeah, probably not this year, but he did it again. But at some point, they're going to slow down because his home run per fly ball is insane. His exit velocity is men. I know he makes a lot of contact. The same argument with Starling Marte, but he's just not a home run hitter. And I'm terrified if he's batting 240. And he may not steal bases too well with all these lower body injuries. So when you can pick somebody up like Kevin Biggio and then you have Jose Altuve's name coming off the DL and you can trade him away and pick up somebody, that's the way to do it. That's interesting. Because he's a guy that I never expected to hate at this point. And I don't hate him, but just his perceived value is way greater than what I think he actually gives you as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't disagree with that. So, here we are. Here we are. Here we are, saying big things. People listening to us are hearing that they should get rid of Stanton, Altuve, <laughs> and Justin Upton to a lesser extent. Yeah, and Starling Marte, and just yeah. Let's get rid of all these top fifty people from the preseason rankings. It's scary. But I'm going to give you one guy that might not feel as bad to cut because his preseason ranking number isn't going to be as high either. Jake Odorizzi, he has blown my mind with how good he has been this year, and I have seen him pitch too long in the league for him to be another Charlie Morton. My money is never going to be that this dude repeats this sort of second half with this Twins team. Let me just say this. He has 10 wins already on this season. Of his last, like, 10 starts, almost all of them have been wins but one. It's an absolute insane run that he's had. And the game he didn't have the win, he had a zero ERA. What? Wow. Insane. Should have had them all. 2.24 ERA on the season, 1.01 whip, and 85 Ks in 76 innings. He is up to, he is having the best run I've ever heard of for Jake Odorizzi. That is a guy I'm for sure looking to trade at this point. Because I couldn't even fathom a reality which he would ever be able to put this together in a season if you just took all the good games and smooshed them all together. And then had all the bad games in a row. That's what I'm scared that's going to happen to him. Is that he just rolled the dice and had straight double sixes on those 15 times in a row. 
unthinkable to me that he's having this sort of year. So I'm saying trade him away for a guy that you could get pretty much anyone ranked higher than 50. If you could get that, that'd be excellent. If you trade him for a guy around like 60 or 70, I think you're going to get better value in the second half than what you're going to get out of Odorizzi. Pretty much any of these guys that we're saying keep this week, it's going to be a little harder to get a hold of them. But maybe with that high of a ranking and his win percentage for pitchers, you might be able to get somebody like a, a Justin Upton or something. And I think that would be far more valuable, even though I don't even like him, let alone some of these people that I actually do like quite a lot. Um, I would love Shohei Otani for him at this point in the season. I think you'd get people to readily take that trade as well. Probably, from those stats that you're saying. I don't really know. Starting pitchers are not my forte. Not my forte at all. Do you have any other creepers? Nah, that's that's everybody I had this week. All right, well, here comes what's next, which I do speak to starting pitchers, where that's the double plays. Yeah. Where I... Get off the 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 bench, and I bring a little bit of knowledge to starting pitchers. And I, with your help, pick out a pitcher that if you want to stream for two starts in the next week, you you have our wisdom. Yeah, and it was a little bit scarce this week because we go with under seventy percent ownership rates that people you can get. Mm-hmm. And it's currently on CBS for this under the 70%. Yeah. And they have a higher ownage rate than a lot of Yahoo pitchers. So there are some borderline ones in there. But we're trying to give you the ones that are truly a little off the radar, a little off the beaten path here with the under 70% own rate. So it was tough. It was tough for me to say confidently. Plus, I get this segment I do recognize wrong. Although at the same time, we don't pick from the best of the bunch. So it's okay to get this wrong. These, but, these are truly sleepers, yes. <laughs> like in, in the regard of you might be able to win yourself a week by making one of these aggressive calls if right. you don't have a better option, Right. if you don't look like you're projected to win. My first one, Adam Plutko. Mm-hmm. Uh, 23.1 innings pitched, 17 strikeouts to only three walks. That's great. 4.63 ERA with a 1.029 whip. His FIP doesn't ex- uh, say agree with me here but i would expect that era to be a little bit lower when i look at those stats alone yeah matchups this week kansas city at home against brad keller who look at his era and his whip and everything and that looks okay but he's leading the league in walks 46 walks in 93 innings wow (laughs) that's a lot of walks a lot of walking i would let him throw a lot of pitches. Mm-hmm. And then, so that's a pretty decent matchup. Kansas City at home. Yeah. Um, and then at Baltimore against Gabriel No, who has 37.2 innings pitched, 29 strikeouts, 12 walks, 5.02 ERA with a ugly whip at 1.434 as well. So those matchups, I, I, um, let's go Plutko. I agree. Uh, yeah, only like 5%. Yeah. And then CBS has them at, like, I think, 20, or, yeah, 22% for CBS. But in Yahoo, 5% of leagues own them. Yeah. So to put it in perspective, widely available. Right, right. <laughs> but like you said, he's coming off of two inning or two six-inning pitching outings with three ERA and wins in both. Yeah. Cleveland scoring more runs these days. Yeah. I think he's a pretty safe-looking young pitcher. I mean, I can't see Kansas City or Baltimore. Was he your number one? He was uh, my number two. Okay. He was my number two. I guess we'll argue. It's arguable. I liked him. 
But he was one of my middle guys I felt pretty okay with. All right. So there's a good guy you can pick up. I think that you'd be decently safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Who's your other? Who's your number one? My number one is a guy that I don't actually recommend playing, but I just wanted to give him a little shout out because it's Trevor Williams. He's actually a double a double play pitcher this week, but his matchups are pretty rough. I just don't think he's worth picking up for sure. If you can get him when you're listening to this podcast right now, he's playing Detroit next. So that's a really good matchup. But for this next week where you're claiming him for the double double play, double start, um, he's playing against Houston and Milwaukee. So it's a little rough. That's rough. So I would not say that those indicate that's a reason good. to pick him up and stream him. But I think as a season long, I just wanted to also throw it in there on the side. He's doing it. And Houston is getting a bunch of people back right around next week. So right. Eh, the 25th, I think, is when a lot of those people come back in that first game against Garrett Cole. I'm not looking for a win there. And then Zach Davies for Milwaukee hasn't been pitching as well, and it's at Milwaukee. So that's not necessarily not a, a great that's, matchup. That's not, yeah. So he might be a better bench stash at this point. Like If you can get him tomorrow, great. Play him against Detroit. Excellent. But... That's what I just did. <laughs> but in the Houston and Milwaukee starts, you could even think about benching him and just right. leaving him out for the next outings. Cool. I, I agree with what you're saying there. Um, but my number one favorite is actually Mr. Brad Keller. So although his walk rate outrageous. Brad Keller, the guy with 46 walks? Yeah. But he has back-to-back really good start or starting up opposition amounts, and he only has a 1.34 whip, which is a little higher than what you'd like to see, admittedly, for sure. But a 3.970 ERA is not miserable on the year either. But Cleveland, at Cleveland, and then at Toronto against Aaron Sanchez, because it's Plunko for the first one, since we talked about him already. But I think both of them are pretty good matchups, and on a light week for good streamers, he might be one of the better ones. Hmm. My second guy was Chris Bassett. I don't want to speak too much on it because I had to get a second one and he was it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I won't play any of these people ever, but he's my second one if you really want one. 58 innings pitched, 57 strikeouts. That's nice. 24 walks, okay. 3.68 ERA with a 1.193 whip. First start is at St. Louis with a 2B announced pitcher, so a uh, very borderline a little bit less than average uh, ideal start and then the second one in LA against Andrew Heaney with 21.2 innings pitched 30 strikeouts 6 walks 4.57 ERA with 0.969 whip again I probably wouldn't do that but he was my second favorite that you could get that's fair and I don't I think there was only like 8 yeah there wasn't many like to pick from double play pitchers that you could possibly have under the 70% own rate yeah so it wasn't very good. I would say overall advice, probably not the best week to stream a pitcher. Maybe Plunko is the best, but both Keller and Plunko have been off of good starts recently. Cleveland just way better than Kansas City, A. For sure there. but For sure. And arguably better matchups in general with, yeah. I would say, uh, Kansas City plus Baltimore versus Cleveland-Toronto. I, neither one is like super omega scary scary or anything but i think both look like pretty okay options in my opinion then we're done with double plays i think so i don't have anything else to say all right well that's where i get to wrap up our episode with another bit of closing notes where i share a little bit of information about a closing situation that is interesting doesn't really necessarily change the game it's just something to keep an eye on and the closing notes this week this is a guy where we're talking about setup men, 
Ty Buttery, Ryan Presley, um, John Gant. Another setup man that deserves a little bit more love is Scott Oberg with yeah. a three, 32 innings pitch, 31 strikeouts, 14 walks, 1.67 ERA, with a 1.021 whip. If you look at his numbers, you may think, and it should probably regress a little bit. However, it's interesting that Wade Davis has thrown 4.1 innings pitch since he's came back from the DL and given up seven earned runs. That is not going to get it done. <laughs> so keep an eye on that situation. Keep an eye on the the Renzen situation. But Scott Oberg is one of those dudes that you can own on your team, and until he starts regressing, he's just going to be a solid dude that's going to help you out in your categories. And, hey, Davis may go on the IL again until he gets this thing right because they're not going to let him keep blowing games in, in Colorado. So, no. And seven earned runs in four innings is atrocious. Yeah, that's a little alarming for a guy that was so good at the start of the season. So Right. I'm with you. That's my closing notes. That's cool. Can you give me your feedback on Ian Kennedy from a closing note standpoint? I've seen like I've noticed he's chalking br- up ideal. some saves, but uh, his ERA on the season's not great. Would you recommend owning a roster spot for him, or is he too risky? I passed up on him. Um, he's the equivalent of Sergio Romo. Yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, I just don't like it that much because he hurt. He can blow your ERA and whip out out the roof. Yep. If you really need saves, he'll get you one and a half a week, <laughs> and he could kill you elsewhere. Yeah. So you'd go with a strong setup man over a weak closer. I probably would, especially a setup man that I could predict may get some good save opportunities at the second half of the season. But nice. Yeah. If you need him. He's out there. And maybe he turns it around, but he also could be traded. He's getting paid a little bit much more than you would like to see, but I think Ian Kennedy could be traded as well. and Then he's just irrelevant. Yeah, I completely agree with that. All right. Well, that's it. You've heard another episode. You're wiser now. I hope. I feel wiser. How about it? A little research, a little wisdom. Hopefully uh, some of this will lead to some direct correlation to win improvement next week. As it should. Thanks for listening. Catch us next week. Same time, same place. Adios. You got it.